0: communityoxford.com, or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford podcast. Amen. You know, for thousands and thousands of years, the enemies of God have tried and attempted to destroy God's creation and to distort God's truth and to stop the spread of God's word. We see since the beginning, since the garden, the enemy has been attacking God's creation and the enemy has been trying to destroy what God had so wonderfully and beautifully made. You know, and and we see in scripture over time how man became increasingly more and more prideful, increasingly more and more evil and wicked. And then we see. Jesus. Man had his plan. Man had his ideas. Man had his ambitions and then in steps Jesus. A man born of a virgin son of a carpenter from the city of Nazareth. And he comes in and he just throws a wrench in all of their plans. And this infuriated. The leaders of that time it upset them because they had their 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 ambitions they had their way of life and then Jesus comes in and says no that is not the way Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and this made them very upset and so we see throughout Scripture throughout the Gospels that The Jewish leaders attempted and did everything they could to squash the idea that this man, this lowly man coming from the city of Nazareth could be anything other than just a man. But Jesus steps in and says, no, I am the Messiah, the son of the living God. They didn't like it. And just like us, when we encounter things that we don't like, we attempt to get rid of it. And so they attempt to squash this idea that this lowly man from Nazareth could come in and truly be the son of the living God, can truly be the Messiah. And so they send him to the cross to be crucified. And then once he was crucified, they thought, "Hi, ah, we got him. It's over. It's done with. But what they didn't realize is they, they were playing right into the hands of God. Because in Luke chapter nine, verse 10, Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. Jesus was on a mission. They didn't know that. The only thing they could see was what they wanted. The only thing they could see were their traditions and their laws and their way of life. And Jesus comes in. Shows them something different. He didn't like it. Just like us. When God gets all up in the midst of our stuff and started mess things up, we don't like it because it's uncomfortable. We have gotten so used of being comfortable. That we get upset when things make us uncomfortable. I truly believe that God allowed what's happening to us today to get our attention and to say, look, you we've gone far too long without acknowledging him as the maker, as the creator, as the father of all. And now he's put us in a place. He's put us in a position where we have no more distractions. And the only thing we have to count on is him. But then we see again the enemies of God raising up to try to squash the fact that number one, God is the true and living God. Number two, that God is sovereign. And number three, that prayer actually works. That when we put our faith and our trust in him, a God who has withstood the test of time over and over again, God and his word has been challenged, been attacked and been 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 trying to be people have tried to destroy God's word. But he still stands today. The gospel of the living God stands strong today. And we see Stephen last week as Fish taught. He was one of the disciples that Jesus had sent out. And he's standing before the Jewish leaders and he is giving them the business, man. He is preaching the word. He is showing them who they really are, showing them that they he called them a stick neck, stiff neck, a stubborn people who saw was standing right in front of the son of the living God. And they crucified him. And this made them Angry, And here's the most beautiful part of that story in chapter seven, verse 54. It says, now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. They didn't like what Stephen was saying because he was showing them who they really were. And he says to them. The word says in verse 55, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, and I like to put it this way, fixed his gaze towards heaven in the midst of trouble, in the midst of trial. He, Stephen, looked to heaven, which is an encouragement to us when we are faced with things that are uncertain. We're not supposed to look to man. We're supposed to look to the true and living God. Stephen looks towards heaven and the word says, he said, and behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Can't you just see? They acted like little children. You know, when they're hearing something or you telling them something, la, 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 we don't want to hear it. The Bible said they stuffed their ears and they cried out with loud voices because they were being brought to the reality that they were sinful men. They could not handle it. So what did they try to do? They tried to squash it. They tried to stop him. They tried to get rid of it. But one thing they didn't know is, again, they were playing right into the hands of God. Verse 58 says, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness, the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold the sin against him. And when he said this, he fell asleep. The murder of Stephen. Set off this chain reaction of persecution. Which leads us to chapter eight. In the beginning of chapter eight, verse one, it says, and Saul approved of his execution. Now this Saul, Saul hated Christianity with a passion. He hated Chris, Christianity. He rejected Jesus. Just like so many today. They hate God's word. They hate what it stands for. They hate the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth as the son of God to seek and save us, which was lost. And the Bible teaches that when we put our trust in him, we then can have eternal life. But that is a message so many don't want to hear. That is a message that so many have attempt to kill and destroy, but it's over is lasted over two thousand years. I don't know about you, but I really will put my trust in something that has withstood all the tests, all the attempts to destroy it. And it says, and there arose on that day, in verse two, a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except for the apostles. See again, the the Jewish leaders, the persecutors thought they had done something big when they murdered Stephen. Not only did Stephen's murder set off a chain reaction of persecution, it set in motion the plan of God to spread the gospel and to build his church. See, Jesus told the disciples in chapter one, verse eight, he says, you will be my witnesses in all of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the end of the earth. God used persecution as a tool to spread his gospel and to grow his church. What the enemy meant for evil. God turned that thing around. And he used it for good. They tried to squash the message of the gospel, but little did they know they caused the gospel message to spread. Man, God is good. He's amazing. And it says in verse two, Devout men buried Stephen and made a great lamentation over him. Lamentation is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And it says, but Saul in verse three was ravaging the church and entering house after house. And he dragged off men and women and committed them. prison Saul was throwing people in jail for preaching the gospel for teaching the gospel for believing in Jesus Christ as the one way to heaven. He didn't like it. We've seen countless of stories of people being thrown in jail and even murdered because of their faith in Jesus Christ. It's no different today than it was back then. They are trying to destroy the message of the gospel. And so when persecution starts and the people scattered, they didn't run and hide. Look at what verse four says. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs he did for unclean spirits. Crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Philip went to Samaria not to hide. Philip went to Samaria. To work, to share the gospel. Church, God didn't allow this pandemic to come for us to hide. He allowed it to come so we can go to work. So for those of us who for years have claimed to be followers of Jesus, have claimed to be Christians, to say that we believe and we have faith. Now it's time to put that to the test. Now it's time to put that in action. Now it's time to show your unbelieving neighbors, co workers, family members that God is a God that doesn't change. God is a God who was the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That his love, his love abounds. And so Philip is in Samaria. And if you remember, <coughs> the Jews and the Samarians, did not like each other. They didn't get along. And so here comes this Jewish man goes to a city to where he didn't get along or was not supposed to get along. And he is giving them the work. He is preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. Then we see in verse nine. Simon, the magician, the magician, Bible gives us a description of who Simon was. It says in verse nine, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest saying This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time. He had amazed them with his magic. And Simon had these people fooled. Doing magic tricks. Had them thinking that he was a great man, that he was a great power, that he was somewhat a divine being. Church, be careful. Be mindful. Just like back then, we have some Simons in our midst today. Claiming to be something that they're not. Claiming to be this divine being. Claiming to have all the answers. But we know the one who has all the answers. And his name is Jesus. Don't be fooled by Simon. And the Bible says in verse 12, see, here's what's so beautiful about, God, about Jesus and about God's word is and the power of the gospel. It says in verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Regardless of how long you've lived in sin. Regardless of how long you've believed in a false gospel or a false message. The message of the true and living God, the message of Jesus Christ. Can come along and change you in a moment. That is the power of the gospel. That is why in these times, we as Christians cannot hide in our homes. We cannot hide. Yes, we have to be respectful of the laws, but we cannot hide behind this pandemic as an excuse for us not to share our faith or as an excuse not to share the gospel. Because the gospel is. Powerful. It says in verse 13, even Simon himself believed and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed. He was amazed. Here we have this man who was a magician claiming to be something he was not. for Years and years living this lie at the moment he heard the gospel, he was changed. He was saved and he was baptized. But it didn't stop there. Philip was doing such a a marvelous work in Samaria. People were being healed and unclean spirits were coming out of people. And it's not by the power of Philip, but it was a, it was, it was by the power of the gospel It was by the power of God's word that these people were being healed. And so Simon saw what Philip was doing. He saw the effects of the gospel. And so he clung to Philip's side. And word got back. Verse 14 says word got back to Jerusalem, got back to the apostles." It says now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they may receive, they might receive the Holy spirit verse 16 for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now it's kind of a touchy subject. And so I'm going to give you what scripture says. Scripture says they didn't receive the Holy Spirit until the apostles came, Peter and John, and laid hands on them and prayed for them and they received the spirit. Now, this is not to say that we can't receive the spirit until somebody laid their hands on us. This was a unique moment in the history of the church. Why? Because, again, the Jews... And the Samarians did not like each other, two races of people that did not like each other. And so God chose to use the Holy Spirit to bring unity in his church, because if the church of Jerusalem rose up and the church of Samaria rose up, you would still have two groups of people not liking each other, which totally goes against God's character and the the work and mission of the Holy Spirit. So God used The Holy Spirit, he used Peter and John to lay hands on the the Samaritans so they would come together in unity. As Ephesians said, that Holy Spirit is what broke down the walls of hostility between the Jew and the Gentile, brought them together as one body, as one church and one spirit of unity. And we're going to move on from that. And it says in verse 18, now Simon, now when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of, ha- of the apostles, laying on the of the apostles hand, he offered them money. He wanted to buy what they had. He wanted to he he wanted to give that money so he could get it and lay his hands on people and they be filled with the spirit. And look what Peter does. Peter rebukes him. And Peter, man, Peter was harsh. Peter's Peter's like, look, dude, something. You're not right. Your heart is evil. Peter says. In verse 20, may your silver perish with you. Because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Folks, you cannot buy the spirit of God. You cannot buy God's gift. The Bible teaches that at the moment we trust, at the moment we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as the son of the living God, we are then indwelled with the Holy Spirit. We are sealed and we are his. That's what scripture teaches But Simon thought that he could whip out his money and buy what they had. Simon also so showed us that just because you've been saved. And you've been baptized. That there's still work to be done. Simon showed us his heart. For years and years, Simon's heart, by by claiming to be such a divine being with all this power, heart became bitter and wicked and a lot of prayer and repentance was required for Simon to truly, truly be saved. Look what Peter says to him. He says, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. We are supposed to have when we are confronted with our sins. When we are confronted with who we are. Verse 25 says, Now they had testified and testified and spoken the word of the Lord. They returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritan. Check this out. The apostles Preach the gospel across racial lines. They broke down barriers with the word of God. And I hear so much talk about unity. If we wanted unity, here it is right here. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where we find unity. We find unity in the fact that when Jesus says that it's finished, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't do it for just one race of people. He did it for all who would believe. And then we see Philip. And this is this is so powerful. We see Philip. Now an angel in verse 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Remember that part, this being a desert place verse 27 and he rose and went and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge of all her treasure. Now a eunuch was a, was usually a male slave that was physically altered to either watch a harem or treasure but in this case since he was watching the treasure there may have not been a reason for him to be physical, um, physically altered but he was a high official in the, in the courtship or in the, the queenship, I guess, of, of uh, Candace. And the Bible says he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and, had, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. See, here's the beautiful part about that. Somehow this man heard about the God of Israel. And even though he didn't understand what he was reading. He was reading the prophet Isaiah because he heard about the God of Israel and he went there to worship. And the spirit says to Philip, go to that man and look at what Philip's response is. In verse 29, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip heard two voices. He heard the voice of the Holy Spirit telling him to go to this man. And he heard the eunuch reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you are reading folks. This is the moment that as a follower, as a preacher, as a minister, as a disciple, these are the moments you pray for. This this is what you pray for. Because when somebody asks you a question, it alleviates that fear of rejection because you know God has already prepared them to hear the message of the gospel. Philip asked him, do you know what you're reading? And he said, how can I know unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now reading the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. (coughs) Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before his shear." Is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from this earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you, does this prophet say this about himself or someone else? And then Philip shares the gospel. Philip preaches truth to him. Philip gives him the word. And it is so impactful. Look at what the question is that the eunuch asked him. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. Remember, this was a desert place. And they came to some water and he asked, what prevents me from being baptized? Are you as hungry as this eunuch? Do you desire to be saved or do you desire Jesus as much as this eunuch did in the moment? The word says he stands at the door and knocks. Will you let him in? See, persecution is coming. Persecution is here in some sense. But, church, I want you to know something. It's time. Will you run and hide? Or will you spread the gospel? Verse 39 says again, and when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. In verse 40, but Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea, Caesarea. And God was doing some mighty things back then. Church, God is doing some mighty things now. Are we paying attention? God wants to use you in these times. God wants you to stand up and be the church. For far too long, we thought church was a building, a place we come, a place we gather, a place we dress up. God has taken it away from us. Now it's time to truly be the church. Now it's time for us to have church in our homes. If you're still able to go, now it's time to have church on our jobs. Now it is time to let the light of Christ shine ever so bright. And don't be fooled. There will be enemies of God rise up. There will be people trying to come and snuff out the word of God. Just like then, it will happen now. But just like then, God's word stands. They can't kill it. They can't destroy. Because the more and more you press, the more and more it spreads. God's word is living. It is active. He wants you. He wants your heart. So I want to ask that. If you're in your homes, mothers and fathers, join hands with your children. Children this moment right now. And I want you to go with me in prayer that God's word will continue to grow and to show up and continue to go forward. Father, we come to you now. God has humbled people. God, we have nowhere else to turn. And at that moment when Philip faced death, God, we look towards heaven. We look to you, God. We don't look anywhere else. Father, we love you today. I pray for that husband. I pray for that that wife. I pray for those children. I pray for the mothers and fathers, God, that now in these moments, God, we give you everything we have. Our hearts belong to you. Our will is your will for us. God, we love you and we thank you. God, forgive us of those times we've been, we've been so selfish, God, that we've ignored the call that you've had on us. God, I pray for our pastors and our preachers, God, that we will continue to prepare your people for what's to come. That we will continue to spread nothing but the true gospel of our true living Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we don't do anything for glory. We give it all to you. God, I pray for peace in homes. I pray for peace in hearts. God, I pray that you will wrap your arms around that mother or that father. are having to answer questions from their children that they really didn't think they would have to answer. But God, I realize now that it's always been that we as followers, we as believers need to be prepared to share the gospel because we never know when you're going to put someone in our path that you have been priming and preparing to receive the word and you chose us to be the one to share. God, I pray at this moment that if I said anything contrary to your will, contrary to your character, that you would charge it to my head and not my heart. Father, we thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future the God bless.